Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are rallying this morning on the back of gains on Wall Street overnight and signs that Japan's economy is performing better than expected. Tokyo up nearly 1.5%. Sydney is up more than 1% as well. Seoul is trading in the green. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Wang. Happy hump day, Michelle. And to you. Let's start this morning with the Oracle of Omaha. I am talking about Warren Buffett, the famed value investor. And when Buffett talks, investors listen. And he makes a regulatory filing about buying shares in a company. When he does that, then investors really listen. Now, we have two such instances this morning. Buffett has bought new stakes in a high-profile struggling bank and in a media company. So which are the companies, you ask? Ryan, do you know? Yeah, everyone wants to be Warren Buffett in some sense. So when he buys something, everyone wants to follow suit. And they are now Paramount Global and Citigroup. So these are the two names now what people are watching out for to see if there's any opportunities to get into. So according to the latest followings, he has bought a stake worth $2.6 billion in Paramount. That's around 68.9 million shares. And for Citigroup, he has bought a stake roughly $2.9 billion worth. So that is pretty much an indication of where he is eyeing value in the markets these days. Worth noting as well mm-hmm. that he's been paring back on some of those bank stocks in recent quarters and he's now going back into banks again with Citigroup, paring back on the likes of Wells Fargo and in recent years, JP Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs. And Paramount, of course, worth noting is a media company which is not really attractive to many investors these days with all the competition. So something that's quite interesting to look at. Why do you think Buffett sees Citigroup and Paramount as good buys now? Okay, so here is where maybe you can dive a bit deeper into the details of where Citigroup is right now. So you've got a new CEO in charge, Jane Fraser. So it could be seen as a bet on the new management, just shaking things up and refocusing on higher returns by just zooming in on things like businesses like wealth management and treasury offerings away from the consumer side of things where we've seen in Asia, they've been selling some of those units to other banks. Also, if you look at the value of or City Group's shares, they have been trading below book value for quite some time. Some people say, no, it's fair. Some people say, hey, that's value. So maybe he is seeing some upside there for Citigroup. And for Paramount, that could be a play into the streaming wars where he's betting on the horse called Paramount and it's Paramount Plus streaming service. So this is a company that's been rebranded from Viacom CBS. So it's got a huge heritage and also worth noting, quite similar to other streaming services facing a lot of competition in its latest quarter report, it missed earnings expectations, even though it added 6.8 million subscribers. So possibly... A value play as well, if you look at Paramount's share price, they have been outperforming down 7.2% so far this year, better than the S&P 500's 14.9% slump. So 
maybe a value play here long term for these two stocks. Paramount shares jumped 15% overnight. Citigroup up 7.5%. Now, does this mean it's too late for retail investors to buy in? Well, keep in mind that Buffett buys for the long term, not short term. Plus, despite the gains, both stocks are looking at 20 to 30% losses over the past 12 months, which means they could still offer better value now than before. So, Ryan, when markets are down, as they pretty much have been all of this year, it's very easy for investors to become despondent. But Buffett has some great advice for us, right? What is it? Yeah, so this is around how investors should pretty much not be too rattled or worry too much when markets are down, when their stock price portfolios are just in the red. Because things don't go in a straight line. If you're holding on to a long term, eventually long term, they will go up. So we are talking about 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So he is advocating for investors to just sit tight. If you're holding on to a good company, they will be good companies down the road. So just stick to your fundamentals and invest in those good companies for a long time. But of course, there's been a lot of talk about how that view is now old-fashioned. You don't buy and hold these days. So it's a quite divided camp when it comes to investment. All right, let's switch from value stocks to a very different market sector that we haven't spoken about in quite a while. I am talking about Chinese tech. A top Chinese official has provided an unusual public display of support for tech companies. Vice Premier Liu He says Beijing will support the development of digital economy companies and their public listings. Rather, Ryan, is this a sign that China is ready to let up on its year-long clampdown on tech giants? It certainly looks in that way and it's quite unusual because typically they don't show such a public support or public show support for these big tech companies, especially after a year where we saw clampdowns on many of these names. We are talking about the names like Alibaba, the big names like Didi.com. These have been names under pressure because of the data they hold and apparently the monopoly they hold around or the use of consumer information that they have because of the platform companies and models that they are running. So this is now turning around where we are hearing from some of the top officials saying that these companies will be supported as part of the wider push for the Chinese economy to revive itself. So it looks like we could be seeing some easing of these risks for these tech giants. So something to look forward to after such a huge slump in recent quarters. The Hang Seng Tech Index rallied as much as 6% on the news yesterday. Retail investors not the only ones who think that it may be time to buy back into Chinese tech stocks. JP Morgan is upgrading the sector as well. Now this comes just two months after one of its analysts famously said that Chinese tech stocks were quote uninvestable. So what accounts for JP's turnaround? Yeah, so a big U-turn. So not too long ago, just March, they were talking about the sector being uninvestable and now they've upgraded a couple of stocks. I think 15 stocks were upgraded and among those include the likes of Tencent, Alibaba, Meituan, NetEase and Pinduoduo from underweight to overweight. And they are now looking at I guess the worst being over for these tech stocks. And they are looking at an average return for these stocks to outperform. So that's a big change when you look at what's been in the landscape in the past few months. And I think one of the reasons is how the government is starting to recognize that they can't do without these big tech names and they need to support them. And that's why we had the forum between the policymakers and tech players happening this week, just sitting down to iron out their differences. And this is also with a view of how 
the first batch of outperformers once the COVID-19 restrictions are lifted will likely be digital entertainment, local service and e-commerce stocks. So that is what JP Morgan is forecasting and a big change once again of their view. So once again, if you are looking at recommendations, analysts can change their minds quite quickly depending on how the background is changing. On the topic of Chinese tech, the e-commerce giant JD.com is reporting first quarter earnings and how it performed is really a matter of perspective. Ryan, can you tell us more? Okay, JD.com, as you have been watching what's happening in China, has been suffering from quite a bit of pressure when it comes to the slowing consumer demand. A lot of people holding back on buying more because of the growth outlook just looking a bit bleaker. Also, if you look at the numbers coming out from JD.com, that seems to reflect it. Slowest quarterly revenue growth on record. And this is up 18%. So that is just reflecting how COVID-19 has been weighing on consumer spending and something they, I believe, trying to get over. But there are challenges because supply chains, higher business costs. And if you look at revenue, that was at around $37.8 billion. It is slightly better than expected. If you look at net losses, that came in at around 3.0 billion yuan, much worse than the 655.7 million yuan profit expected. So that is a huge drop in terms of expectations for profit. So it is quite a tough road ahead for GD.com with all the pressures from the weak consumer spending sentiment. Ryan, if you had to put your money on the table, what would you say your take is for Chinese tech now? Are you ready to join JP Morgan and buy back in? It's a tough one because on one hand, you've got the measures in Shanghai still playing out. We hear about it being lifted soon, but then you get it extended again. So there is quite a bit of uncertainty around how things will play out because it is very difficult to call when these policy measures are very unclear. And there is some cause to talk about how long-term you have value because they have to go up at some stage when things return back to normal. Uh, so it depends on your risk appetite and your time horizon. If you are willing to hold on for a long period, then maybe Chinese stocks could be one to watch out for. Okay, I'm going to zoom out for a minute. The US markets rallied overnight. NASDAQ and S&P 500 both closed in the red, upwards of 2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average finished higher as well. A strong retail sales report helped boost the mood on Wall Street. What is the latest on this front, Ryan? Okay, so we are looking at retail sales coming through better than expected. Quite a solid showing. So retail sales rose 0.9% mm. despite the backdrop of inflation at 40-year highs. And this is driven by sales of cars, electronics, eating out at restaurants. So people still spending despite higher prices. So that seems to lend some strength to the narrative that consumer spending is still quite resilient in the US, at least for now. And that is a huge part of the US economy. And I think that is just giving confidence to uh, market watchers that, hey, maybe it's not as bad as they thought. Not every store doing well, though. One of America's biggest retailers says inflation is dragging its profits down. Who is this, Ryan? Okay, so we had Walmart reporting numbers, and they reported a weak first quarter dragged down by inflation. So surging costs of things they need to buy, supplies, wages, all adding to expenses and just eroding their margins. So something that's weighing on Walmart. And this will be the theme this week because we are hearing from a bunch of retailers out this week on their earnings. And we'll get a picture of how those 
higher costs are affecting them. So we are looking out tonight from the likes of lows as well as targets. So something to chew on in the coming days. Chew on indeed. I can't put this off for any much longer. I am talking about the Elon Musk Twitter report. It is time for that, ladies and gentlemen. Markets are abuzz over Musk's very public war with the social media giant that he is supposedly buying. Musk is challenging US regulators at the Securities and Exchange Commission to look into his claims that Twitter is underreporting its fake account numbers. And he says the deal, quote, cannot move forward without more information. Now, Ryan, we talked a bit about this yesterday, but I want to ask you, do you think that Musk is actually really concerned about bots or is what we're witnessing in public the sort of negotiations that really actually usually take place behind closed doors? After all, this is not the first time a buyer's tried to renegotiate a deal because of changes in the marketplace. Those are very valid questions. Now, when you think about due diligence, it's typically when you decide to buy something that you look into the details. But now here you have the reverse. He said he'll buy something and mm-hmm. then now he's digging into the numbers. So it's very strange if you look at it from that perspective. Why are you bringing up all these questions now after agreeing to a deal with so much money? So that is a big question that I think needs to be looked at very closely. Is he really caring about those spam bot numbers or is this all part of a public negotiation tactic? So there is a valid point there if you look at how the share prices of Twitter have really slumped from 54.20 cents which is his offer price to under $40 right now so he has his case for trying to bring down the price so maybe that could be one reason why he is just trying to drag his feet over the proceedings feet dragging uncertainty unhappiness over the deal it's causing some turmoil with Twitter's upper echelons and today we have news that three more senior employees are voting with their feet what do you make of this? Huh. I guess it was something people saw coming because there's so much uncertainty with the trajectory or at least the future of where Twitter is going that maybe they think it's better just to find a place where they can concentrate on work. And (laughs) it is quite a distraction when you look at what Elon Musk has been doing in the past few days, past few weeks. Now, maybe it's not for them. So if you look at spam bots, uh, that is a big issue that, is quite sensitive as well. No, I don't think anyone actually knows how many spam bots there are in the Twitterverse. I don't think there's a way to actually count them. So mm-hmm. it is very tough to see this final conclusion. And also, there is in the agreement a deadline for this deal to be done, October 24th, barring very limited reasons for them to back away from the deal, including what's called a material adverse effect clause. And this is where... If someone can prove Mm. that something really bad is wrong with the numbers or things have really changed materially, then maybe the deal can be undone. And that is maybe one tactic Elon Musk is trying to do, you know, prove that the spam bots, those numbers are not as accurate as what Twitter has been pitching in the past few weeks or even months that it's less than 5%. He's saying maybe it's even more. He's even calling for the SEC to investigate Twitter for maybe misguiding investors.
All right. So, yeah, it seems like a mythical number, Twitter bots. But if he's bought Twitter because he wants public information of its users and then discovered that a vast majority are, in fact, anonymous accounts, and so it's not going to be providing the information that he went into the deal for, I wonder what it's going to take to make that clear. Yeah, here's the catch as well, right? When you want to play up your company, you want to have mm. a number that says, you know, you have X, X, X users, and you want the X to be really big. And the spam bobs help the X become bigger. So if you are trying to trim down the Xs, I'm not sure if that's going to do you any favours when it comes to your, I guess, business numbers. Yes, but Musk's argument is that this is a company that should have these numbers because aren't these the numbers that you present to advertisers? Yeah, so that is going to be a big uh, conversation. What is the right number? What are the accurate numbers? Mm. And going by accusations, Twitter doesn't have the accurate numbers. So he's been you know, calling them out for mis-advertising or at least misleading advertisers. Indeed. So a lot of damage could be done in the near term before he even gets a seat at a company. And poop emojis flying around, of course. Time for one of our favourite segments, a game of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. The number of tourists and business travellers coming here to Singapore. I am going with up. And I think if you've walked around the usual places, Orchard Road and whatnot, you would have seen them too. Tourist arrivals have been going up, up for a third straight month in April. Some 294,300 visitors last month, up from... 121,200 in March. Yeah, nearly 300,000 people visited Singapore last month. That is the most since the pandemic began. Let's look at Singapore Airlines. Okay, this is going to be an up for me. No surprise, I guess, with restrictions being lifted across many borders, passenger traffic increasing what they call significantly in April. So one to watch as we see the earnings coming out later today after the market closes. Nearly one and a half million people flew on SIA and Scoot last month. That is a 60% increase from the month earlier. Imagine that. All right, let's switch gears and peer at the locally listed IT company called Franken. This is going to be a down for me. So Franken's net profit lower by 12.6% because of higher costs and supply chain challenges in the second half of FY 2021. Indeed, the uptrend had to stop somewhere and the buck stops here. This one's a down for me. Franken's profits falling more than 12% in the first quarter because of higher costs and supply chain issues. Let's look at Netlink NBN Trust. Okay, so this is the company that lays out the fiber cables for your broadband internet. This is going to be an up for me. They have posted a 1% increase in their DPU for FY2022 to 5.13 cents. So... Still going strong, looking at the drivers of revenue, residential connections. Business is good for the fiber network infrastructure company. Netlink NBN Trust revenue is up and so too are the distributions that it pays unit holders. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 24 minutes into the local trading day. Singapore stocks underperformed other Asian markets yesterday but still finished in the green. The Straits Times Index finished up one-third of a percent to regain the 3200 level. It closed a notch above that at 3201. How's the SDI trading this morning, Ryan? So far, so good, Michelle. So... It is building on that two-day winning streak and it's in the green right now by 0.7% at 3,223 points. Let's take a look at where we are on the STI and cross the 30 constituents. Not a single one in the red. So mm. if you look at the top of the table, we've got Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding leading the charge up more than 4%, followed by the likes of Dairy Farm, Thai Bev, 
SIA is up by 2% at 5.44 and they will be reporting their earnings today. And they've been looking at quite encouraging passenger traffic numbers in the recent month. So something to watch out for. In fifth place on STI, Maple Tree Commercial Trust. So quite a good showing from the Singapore top 30 stocks so far. A good start to Wednesday morning. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang. 9.25 on the clock. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.